So it's our pleasure tonight to welcome Dosho Port Roshi to our Bamaswe Temple Zoom Zendo. Uh, Dosho is an old friend of ours. Uh, we've known him for, I can't remember how many years. He used to come to Bamaswe Temple and practice with us uh, back in the day. He is currently uh, the leader of the Vine of Obstacles, which is an online support for Zen training and also uh, leads the Nebraska Zen Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Dosha began practicing Zen in 1977, and he received Soto Zen transmission from Dainan Katagiri Roshi, and also transmission in the Harada Yasutani line from James Myoen Ford Roshi, uh, who is also uh, my teacher. And he's the author of Keep Me in Your Heart a While, the Haunting Zen of Dainan Katagiri, and also most recently, uh, just a couple of days ago, his newest book was released. It's called The Record of Empty Hall, 100 Classic Koans. And I had the privilege of uh, reading this book in manuscript. It's a wonderful uh, evocation of a particular time in Zen and a koan collection that is not familiar to us in the West. Dosho translated it and also uh, did some, uh, some uh, commentaries on all the koans. And tonight he's going to give us a talk. And when he's done, we'll have a, a time to encounter him in dialogue. Uh, and we'll explain that when his talk is over. So thank you, Dosho, for being with us. And take it away. Thank you. So good to be here tonight with you all. Uh, and uh, wonderful to practice with uh, Boundless Way again. See some some folks who were there back in the day. And uh, I think Ray is over there on the other screen somewhere too. So good to see you. I should say that I co-teach with uh, my uh, wife, Tetsugan Sensei, on uh, both uh, Vine of Obstacles and, and uh, the, the Nebraska Zen Center in this pandemic has essentially become the Vine of Obstacles, this uh, online uh, training program that we um, facilitate. So, and uh, a little more than four years ago, I was right here in this building doing a retreat, um, right at the beginning of the Trump era. And um, you, you remember how divisive and ugly it was. And I really wanted to do something uh, to do what I could uh, in the face of that divisiveness and ugliness. And uh, being a long-time Zen practitioner, I thought that maybe I could offer some more Zen. So, <laughs> so mostly stumbled into this, uh, the Chinese version of the Record of Empty Hall and, and found the one English translation that there is, um, which in terms of koan work doesn't uh, feel like it's all that helpful. So I uh, resolved to do what I could to um, bring the text into English. Uh, and so uh, worked for several years to do that. And uh, I want to share some uh, with you about this uh, text tonight. I'll first uh, talk a little about um, this uh, teacher, this uh, great old teacher, Zhu Tong, and uh, then a little about the record. Mix it up a little, because a few of you were here the other night. And, uh, and then uh, I'd like to 
share a couple, three of the uh, cases with you, uh, depending on how much time there is, and then uh, hear what, uh, what you have to say. So first of all, Zhu Tong, he was a 13th century figure, and the 13th century in China and then in Japan were like the, the, this huge period of transmission from one culture to another. So very similar in that way to our present day, although you know now it's, uh, the Buddha Dharma is transitioning more into the global culture. Um, but the movement from uh, uh, China to Japan was happening then, and there was an enormous number of great teachers at that time. Um, they were so great, they, they talked about the past in a way that made the past seem greater, but probably, right David? <laughs> but but uh, probably the 13th century, 12th, 13th century, was the peak of, of, of Zen, of the, of the Chan tradition in China. Zhu Tong, he's, uh, his, his two names are Zhu Tong Ziyu. His first name means empty hall, and thus the uh, record of empty hall. And Ziyu, two characters, wisdom, stupid, or uh, probably wise fool is a good translation. So empty hall, wise fool is, was his name. Um, and as you may know, this uh, stupid uh, character uh, occurs a lot in uh, Dharma names, in uh, our, our lineages. Um, it, uh, earlier than, earlier than Zhutong, um, one of the teachers who was instrumental in Lin Chi's, uh, Rin Zai's great awakening, Da Yu, Da Yu, that's the same Yu as Ji Yu, and so his name was Big Stupid. And, um, and then later, in, uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite names, of, of all time, big stupid, looking for just the right person to pass that on to. <coughs> um, and then later, uh, Gudo, uh, Gudo in, uh, in Japan, 70th uh, generation in Japan, um, was uh, Gudo is uh, actually the, uh, the two characters from Jutong's name. The Do is the Tong, the Japanese pronunciation of the Tong, so Hall, and the Gu is the Yu from Ji uh, Yu, and so it's, uh, his name was Stupid All. So, wise fool or wise stupid, big stupid and stupid Hall. A uh, teeny bit about um, his background, Jutong uh, started practicing Zen as a young person, as many people in those days did. He happened to have the good fortune to run into a great Zen master, Yunnan, and uh, after he practiced for a while, actually, and maybe had some intimations of the truth, but not a definitive taste of awakening, the koan that uh, Yunnan gave him was uh, the uh, Yantao Sale, which is an obscure uh, koan in our day, but was popular then. And uh, that koan goes like this. What about when the ancient sail has yet to be hoisted? And then the second part, how about after it's been hoisted? So Zhutong threw himself into uh, this kind of work with a great uh, fury and would rush in to see Yunnan each day. But before he even opened his mouth, it says in the record, Yunnan would say to him, Take it easy. Just remain mindless and unfettered by words. 
he'd ring them out before he had the chance to even make a presentation. Eventually, he was able to pass through this barrier and uh, other barrier koans as well. Uh, and it's one of the things that's, uh, that's notable. Our present uh, koan system is, is quite systematized and seems like back in the old days, 13th century, it wasn't so systematized. So there's a wide variety of initial koans and follow-up follow koans. So even though, and maybe because his teacher emphasized this mindless state unfettered by words, one of uh, uh, Tong's major contributions uh, to the Buddha Dharma was what's called verse samadhi. So really going into zero, returning to zero, and then expressing from that zero place, verse samadhi. So he very much uh, emphasized uh, writing verses, but also capping phrases, which are a big part of the record of Empty Hall, Volume 6, which is what I translated. Um, and this uh, verse samadhi practice uh, is very clear, both in uh, Dogen's own um, expression and in many of the other teachers in uh, China and Japan uh, in the following centuries, this practice of capping phrases, entering a koan, which we'll see in a little bit, and finding a way to express yourself there, um, and also writing verse commentary. For example, Gion, third generation in the Soto lineage in Japan, uh, has a wonderful uh, book that uh, Steve Hine recently published, Flowers Blooming on a Withered Tree. Do you guys know this book, David and Melissa? You do? Great. It's a wonderful book where uh, he, uh, Gion, uh, trans uh, he wrote a capping phrase and verse for each of the chapters of the Shobogenzo. It's a fantastic uh, collection. So this, this was kind of a thing for, for Zen teachers in, in those days. Um, the record of Empty Hall itself is um, ten volumes. Uh, Jutong had a very uh, successful career at this very high level of the Chinese uh, bureaucracy, monastic bureaucracy. He was the uh, abbot of all of the ten major monasteries during his, his lifetime. Um, and he, he drew, um, and then they modeled uh, his teaching from those ten monasteries on the ten volumes of the overall record of Empty Hall. So there's nine volumes left for someone else to translate out there. I saved, I saved nine volumes for, for you. Um, but the, uh, the record of lamp collections, just FYI, and David encouraged me to be geeky. So this is... Uh, if you find this part dull, you've got David to thank for that. So there's multiple collections of these lamp collections. They're called, they're the stories of Zen teachers um, from the early days uh, all the way through close to the uh, time of Jutong. Uh, and uh, only one of them, Records of the Transmission of the Lamp, has been translated now, Whitfield, very nice translation. Um, but um, it's uh, several of the others that he, that Zutong drew from. These are the same um, raw material, essentially, that all of the koan collections are pulled from the Blue Cliff Record, Book of Serenity, Gates Perry. They all use the same um, background um, literature. 
of thousands of, of stories. So there is this huge database, essentially, of raw material for, from the, that they pulled from. Um, the, uh, another one is called The Ancestral Gate Connections to the Vital Wisdom of Illumination, which is a really nice translation uh, or a really nice title, don't you think? And uh, there's two other, Five Lamps Merged in the Source, Five lamps, it refers to the five main lineages of, of Zen, merged in the source. So in terms of whether there's one Buddha Dharma or two, they took a position on that point. <laughs> and then also the extensive record of illumination. So these are a few of the lamp collections. Most of the record of Empty Hall are taken from the first two records of transmission of the lamp and the ancestral gate connections to the vital wisdom of illumination. Um, yeah, so, and then as I've been working with this text, I've seen that there's several themes. It's a kind of an unusual collection. It has a very different flavor to it, I think, than the Book of uh, Serenity or the Blue Cliff Record or the Gateless Barrier, the um, primary collections that we use in our curriculum, and also the, the um, Denkoroku, which is another kind of uh, transmission of the lamp text. Um, but very small compared to these other sources. Um, it has a very different feel. And uh, so I've come up with uh, eight themes that, uh, that uh, seem to be predominant to me. First theme is about pilgrimage. So there's many stories about pilgrimage, and especially post-Kensho, post-transmission pilgrimage um, that you'll find in the record of Empty Hall. There is also a, a very powerful theme about wholeness and brokenness. Um, working with this issue of the sacred and profane. And uh, we're going to uh, highlight a couple of these uh, cases in a little bit here. Um, there's uh, another theme is about emptiness, especially the teaching of emptiness. And I like the Zen take on the teaching of emptiness. Uh, another theme is awakening. Another theme is words and silence. Um, then the nature of transmission itself. One of the most popular categories is the hinky category. It's these very odd cases, uh, which uh, the, uh, the one that I use as an example for this is Nanchuan's uh, Tidy Whiteys. Um, I came up with all the titles, by the way. Nanchuan offers a new pair of underwear to the person who um, best answers a question about emptiness. But there's uh, at least 10 cases that I put in that category of just kind of odd, you know? <laughs> Not like anything in the Blue Cliff Record or a Gateless Barrier, for instance. And then finally, the last theme is the, is the not actualized. Um, I don't know, I, I was thinking unrequited, but I looked up unrequited and it doesn't quite fit. So it's more like not actualized. They, um, so there's about 20 cases that end with the monk had no words or had no reply. And so it's, uh, uh, yeah. And the case, it's the, the collection itself is often used in uh, the Rinzai tradition way toward the end of training. And so a lot of the cases also could be seen as um, koans for how to teach. Um, and so that's uh, something I just highlight for you. 
Now, when I gave uh, a talk here the other night um, to launch the book, um, when it came to questions and answers, it was on Facebook, and that's kind of weird, you know. I don't know if you're familiar with that, and I'm sure most of you probably are, but you, in order to ask a question, you like write it, you know, in text, so it's, it's kind of strange, and you can't see who's there. It's so nice to see you. Um, and uh, so somebody said, one of our Viners, Kevin said this, he said, you said this project helped you demonstrate a response to the world's ugliness. I didn't hear that in the seven themes. There were seven the other night. Yeah, yeah, good student, right? I didn't hear, yeah. In the seven themes you mentioned, can you help us connect these koans to the heart's response to the ugliness in the world? And uh, we were right at the end of the session and I said, well, that's your problem. You know, so I've done, I've done my job, now it's up to you. But afterward, I thought, well, maybe I could do better than that. And uh, so what, what I think is that, uh, especially in terms of the theme tonight, that what Jutong is emphasizing is, is also something that I know David and Melissa Roshi's emphasize very much in their teaching, that the perfection is right in the brokenness itself. That's a very powerful theme within uh, the, the record of Empty Hall. So that said, Let's get into that. In the interest of time, I think I'll just, there's a couple of these that are about uh, this uh, theme, but um, I'll just give you one. And then, um, because I want to end on a positive note, <laughs> both of these are kind of, kind of rough. So I'll just do one. This one is uh, case uh, 38, Bao Ying immediately entering hell. Um, Bao Ying was a 13th, uh, generation, 13th generation in China. He's also known as Nanyuan and is in the main line of the Lin Chi Rinzai succession that continued to the day. So a monk asked the solemn, venerable Bao Ying. That's one of my uh, things as a translator. I translate all those things that they often just ignore. Um, but it does say in the text, the, a monk asked the solemn, venerable Bao Ying unusual to have that many, you know, adjectives. He asked him, all the sages have passed through to what place? Ying said, not going up to God realms, immediately entering hell. The monk said, anyway, venerable, how about you? Ying said, this old man returns awake to Bao Ying. Ying then picked up his whisk and brushed the monk in the mouth. Then he called, come close, speak. You are going together with them. Then Ying brushed him again with his whisk. Recommending a way for the monk to deal with this, Zhu Tong said, this is hundreds of years later, accordingly, the eye sees, accordingly, the finger points. And then the comment, looking at the mess we call the human world, it's long been asked, where have all the sages gone? The monk asked not only about the Buddha and Zen ancestors, but about all the sages. Where are they when we need them? Commenting on this case, Hakuin said, you district 
is still all right. It is the people south of the river who suffer the most. The old boy felt the pain of the people fighting on the other side of the river. Bao Ying doesn't blink. The sages have not gone to paradise. Sages go to hell. Just take a look around. The monk then made it personal and direct, as if to say, okay, forget about all the dead sages. Where are you going, master? Bao Ying is both this teacher's name and the area that he lives in, reflecting an important point in the ancient's worldview. The Zen master and the environment are not two things. Bao Ying is going to Bao Ying. Where are you going? Bao Ying then brushed the monk's mouth with his whisk. The whisk is one of the implements of the old-time Zen masters, and we still have them today, mostly for ceremonial use. Mine is in the closet upstairs. They are composed of a handle and a couple feet of horsehair, so getting hit in the mouth with a whisk, unless it's by the handle, which would be odd, would be a very sensual experience distinct from getting beaten by a staff. Bao Ying then offered a great teaching to the monk as if to say, more intimate, and you'll discover that you are not the sages. You are the sages going together. Zhu Tang points out that it is just in looking and raising a finger, awesome and no big deal. In this, we rely. How can it be proven? And one more. Case 54, Don Jaz, lucky guy and it sucks to be you. This is quite literal. <laughs> Don Jaz was a ninth generation in China through Shirto. So the one, the first one was a Linchi Khan and the second is from the Shirto Soto school eventually. Oh, and when he was a young man, he was on his way to take the civil servant exam. And uh, he you know, went in and slept overnight. And during the night, he dreamed that his room was filled with bright light. And so he changed directions, went to the monastery, and became a monk. Suiwei asked the non-learning Zen master, Danja. How is it to be a teacher for all the Buddhas? Jia disapprovingly said, Lucky guy, and it sucks to be you. You must grasp the towel and the broom. Wei retreated three steps. Jia said, Mistake. Wei then moved forward. Jia again said, Mistake. Wei then raised one foot, whirled his body one turn, and went out. Jia said, he got it right away. He will be a teacher for all the Buddhas. Jutang's alternate saying, mistake, mistake. This case highlights some of the leading teachers from the Shurdao line of Zen, Danja and Suiwei, although not in the line that led to either Dungshan in the modern Soto school or to the line of Chuefeng, another favorite of Jutang. As the case begins, Danja is apparently a mature teacher, a practitioner of no more learning. Dogen refers to someone like this 
<clears throat> as the revered non-doing, non-learning person who accords with the enlightenment of Buddha after Buddha. Swayway asks how it is to be like this, a non-learning human that is the teacher for all the Buddhas. How is it? Lucky guy, and it sucks to be you, or more literally, fortunate self, a pitiful birth. And oh, by the way, roll up your sleeves and go to work. Swayway does just that, moving backward, forward, and whirling around even. Mistake, mistake, mistake. Another teacher for all the Buddhas. So uh, thank you so much, Dosho. Uh, wonderful to uh, have you in the Dharma Hall again uh, here. Uh, and uh, it's our custom to go around and uh, uh, name the names of the Buddhas in the boxes. Uh, so we'll do that. And as we call your name, uh, just uh, uh, wave a hand or uh, raise an eyebrow uh, for us to see. So uh, uh, Misha, Alan, Jeannie, Kaishin, uh, Joanne, Roni, Christine, Andres, Francesca, Inger, uh, Todd, Aaron, Jordan, Ray, Adam, Susan Demsko, Will, Madhu, Michael, Susan from the UK, Tom, Lauren, Francis, Dosho is already here. <laughs> just change the screen. Susan, Lamar, uh, Maria, Rick, Steve G. <laughs> <laughs> Tina, Jamie, Papa Steve, Mick, Paul, Melinda, Joe, Laura, Austin, Jenny, Lauren, Corwin, and Melissa, and I'm David. Uh, so a uh, wonderful uh, that uh, we're all here this evening together to, uh, to hear and explore this. Uh, and uh, we would invite uh, anyone who would like to, who has a comment or a question, uh, anything you've ever wanted to know about Zen, uh, Dosho has promised to explain. Um, but if you raise your Zoom hand, uh, which you can find either uh, in the reaction uh, menu or in the participants menu, uh, raise your Zoom hand, and then we'll uh, have a list, and we'll call on you and uh, uh, take up the matter together. Uh, so, uh, Jordan. Uh, thank you so much for the talk. Um, I really, the first koan you shared really resonated with me. Um, the the answer, uh, the sages have all gone to hell and they've all gone to the south. Uh, I heard that and uh, I started tearing up because it 
that just makes so much sense. <laughs> I was, I, uh, my practice has like showed me a lot of difficult things and I'm wondering like, why am I doing this if I'm just seeing how hard the world is? Um, but of, of course, right? Like that's where wisdom is needed. It's where it points to is these difficult truths. Mm. Um, so thank you so much. I just really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you for saying that um, and pointing that out. And, um, you know, it's such an important part of our practice to um, uh, renounce the propensity for avoidance and to turn into uh, what's happening. And uh, I think especially in the early years of practice, there's a lot of difficulty to face, you know, lots of karmic seeds that haven't been digested. So it is important to turn into that hell. And it's also important <laughs> to, you know, realize the fruits of practice. So the illumination of all the Buddhas and ancestors that, uh, you know, that's also important. It can be a trap to focus, to, to, start, to start out the, the journey by opening the heart to difficulty. But of course, there's more to life than just difficulty. So opening to the whole panoramic 360 degree world, um, letting go of our conditioned response, how we want to limit the world to, you know, one or two walls in the room instead of all the four walls of the room. Thank you. Uh, Joe. Oh, I hoped I was hoping that David and Melissa were going to say something there. Oh, oh we'll say something later. If, if you if you make a mistake, we'll. Um... <laughs> I haven't yet. <laughs> Are you listening, David? What? <laughs> mistake. Oh, um, Corbin just pointed out that we've been sitting for half an hour and we didn't say, "Please make yourselves comfortable," which um, we usually do. So, please make yourselves comfortable and at ease in your posture. Thanks, Corbin. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I do, uh, uh, Dosho, appreciate this, um, you know, the, uh, both, uh, I think both in the beginning, this wanting to go to some other place, you know, please let me have some experience uh, of someplace else, but um, uh, that it's also a trap to get stuck in, in the pain of it all, so, mm -hmm. uh, both, both so, yeah, uh, Joe. I was going to say, uh, pick up on Jordan's point, like the, the master who's willing to go to hell, mm -hmm. but also in the second case, how mistake, mistake, like the, the person was j jumping in there and, and just trying, you know, responding, <laughs> whether, whether his answer was correct or not, he was willing to, mm -hmm. to risk it. Mm -hmm. um, it's more of a comment than question, but my, a, a question I also have is that, um, if the record of empty hall is one of ten volumes, are the other ten volumes also koan collections? Or are they commentaries? Or what are in the other volumes? Um, well, that's quite a juxtaposition of points. But um, <laughs> <laughs> mistake. Let me just say that. No. <laughs> and then to respond to your question, the other ten volumes, they're they're kind of different. They're not like this. They're um, one of the one of the ten is just a list of koans, for instance, um, and um, 
so I, I suspect perhaps it was the list of koans that he would work through with students. I, but it doesn't say, you know, they don't, um, they don't over explain stuff. So, uh, and others are short talks that he gave and things like that, writings, letters. So it's, it's a usual collection in that way. And just to, to um, pick up from your first comment, Joe, the, um, the word, you used the word risk, right? And I, I think that Zen is risky business. Uh, there, there is going to hell, and there also is turning towards what is wonderful in this moment, uh, which can be realized in hell. But we have to take the risk first to decide I am going to face my life as it actually is right now. That's what it's all about, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Alan. So I, um, I love the eloquence of the teacher's answer when he touched the monk's mouth with the fly whisk. <laughs> and, and I loved your comment on that. <laughs> and, it, and it made me wonder, um, you know, you mentioned that it's now mostly used for ceremonial purposes and yours is in the closet. Um, why did Zen teachers stop teaching with the fly whisk? And, you know, should we revive it? <laughs> well, uh, one reason not to is that they, they leave long hairs all over the place, you know? So <laughs> we, we had ours out for a recent ceremony. I was just in, you know, just found some horse hair over here on the floor. I could imagine that it would be revived. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually tempted to, to it, ours is in the closet in the Zendo. If we, if we ever get to come back to the Zendo, you'll see it up there. Some people are allergic to horse hair, which makes oh, it very problem. Of course. Yeah. But I love I love the feeling like you do, Alan, of of the idea of the, and Dosha commented on this, um, this particular case, this gentle, you know, it's not a hit, right, with a stick, it's, it, it's a caress on this, a little bit of hair. And, it, and there's something very, very beautiful about recognizing the loving kindness that Zen masters bring to encounters, even though it doesn't always seem that way. And, and in that case, uh, you know, he's the, the monk, not necessarily a he, but the monk is um, close enough to be whisked, right? And then what he says is, come closer. Mm -hmm. He's already close. Come closer. <laughs> well, and, and this ties back, Joe, to what you were saying, this uh, showing up um, and, and this... Um, and, and of course, in these koans, we're encouraged to be every person, and nobody is just uh, the brunt of the koan, but each person is demonstrating some spirit. Uh, and we're encouraged to be that one who hops on one foot and turns around, and, and whatever the Zen teacher says, that's fine. That's what is said. Uh, uh, we take it all. Thanks. Uh, Kaishin. Can you unmute yourself? I'm struggling for the button there. Okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, Dosho, I had, um, I was wondering, listening to the stories 
and all the different ways that the different uh, or the koans, there's always so many different ways that the uh, the teachers respond to um, their students depending on you know the situation and the age of what comes up and since this really was thrown open as anything we wanted to know about Zen, I wanted to ask you. Uh, Sorry, Dosha. <laughs> you're um, you tr you trained with um, Katagiri Roshi, and so many of the where we are in, in the West right now is so many of us have teachers that are North American native born teachers, and I was wondering if you could say something about your thoughts on the way in which uh, you were trained uh, by someone who grew up in the monastic system of Japan compared to how you've changed and adapted the way you've come to work with students in the West. Yeah, well, that's a big topic. Um, so I think, you know, what we're trying to do is to take the principles um, I think there, there's a Zen saying for this very point. It goes something like this. Um, if you can go by the rule, go by the rule. But if you can't, go by the principle. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's the situation we're in now. Uh, that in many, in many ways, um, going by the traditional form of the rule no longer makes any sense. Um, you know, so for, for, you know, not only in the pandemic and, and forward with this kind of online Dharma possibility, <clears throat> but in this whole movement that's really been going on for a thousand years or so of uh, the, um, the practice in, in not only Zen, but the contemplative practices generally coming from the monastery and into householder life. So then, you know, what principles can we um, use that were behind what worked in the monastic setting? How can we extract those principles and put them to work now in our current setting? And Tetsugan and I um, spent a lot of time talking about that. And those people that are on the vine are the, the guinea pigs for <laughs> are experimenting with that. Thank you for your tolerance. Um, so, Katayuri Roshi himself was very interested in that, um, you know, and so it's why he came to the United States. He <clears throat> didn't want to be a funeral director, um, and that's what most, most uh, Soto Zen monks in Japan had become. Um, as you know, his he could have gone and run his uh, um, family, his teacher's uh, temple, um, and uh, basically done ceremonies and funerals. Um, but he had the the chance to meet um, some Americans at uh, AHG in the early fifties. Do you, do you know this, David and Melissa? You know that old album that's the sound of AHG. No. This it's you can find it on Joe. You can find it on YouTube. Joe finds the strangest things on YouTube, but I believe that <laughs> that is on YouTube. And um, I think it was Elsie Mitchell who went to record this, the sounds of AHG, the chanting of the monks at AHG in like 1951 or something. And because Katagiri Roshi could speak like five words of English they assigned him to be the intermediary or the liaison or whatever. So he got to hang out with these Americans and he was very impressed by the spirit of wanting to know what the practice was actually about. 
So that's a bit of a tangent, but the main idea <laughs> is to apply the principle and, um, you know, to, and to, so there's, I think the foci are applying the principle and honoring the tradition. You know, those are the, the two things that, you know, rub together. And as you can see, they, they come out with all sorts of different stuff now, and who knows where this is going. <laughs> it's a wonderful period, right? <laughs> well, I think this speaks a little bit to Alan's uh, first hair question. <laughs> it does, <laughs> very much. Uh, uh, these forms, and we hear these stories, and there were certain ways things were done then, and, there, uh, and then there were different ways from China to Japan. Right. Know, as as uh, Zen uh, made that, or to Korea, and, and now here. Uh, so I think for us too, uh, how to convey the spirit uh, if we get stuck in some kind of um, transmission of some rigid form, then we have missed uh, the point of the matter. Um, and, and so we, we enter into that spirit, and uh, how wonderful that these koans, though, some of the uh, mannerisms or things may be strange when we uh, penetrate into it. Uh, we find it is uh, our life itself. Mm -hmm. And actually, that, you know, having Dosho here tonight on our Zoom Zendo uh, at the temple illustrates this in a way. Uh, Dosho and David and I, really, we are deep old friends in the Dharma. And we don't do things exactly the same way in our sanghas. Uh, we have, um, we're, we're, all, we're all three of us in Tetsugan as well, are in innovators, I would say, uh, trying to keep the, the essence, nature of the practice, and then finding a way to demonstrate it. But what I've been feeling all night since you showed up on the screen, Dosho, is how similar we are in our approach to teaching. And I'm so happy that people get to experience you. And I think most people on the screen would agree that you, the flavor of your teaching tastes very similar to the flavor of our teaching. But the, the form is different, perhaps, in some ways. And I don't think the forms <clears throat> are as important as the essence. So I've just been sitting here uh, just delighted with, uh, with how everything's going. What a great thing. You're a little too geeky for me, though. <laughs> I think you're perfectly geeky. Um, let's, let's move to Corwin before we get in real trouble. <laughs> oh, wait, you're moving to me to avoid yes. me into trouble? That's yes, good. yes, yes. Um, just to, to add to your point, um, yeah, no, I know I really appreciate the, the, the humor mm. that, that, uh, that you brought to, the, uh, to your talk, Dosho Roshi. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it really felt like, wow, he's one of us. <laughs> and uh, I, I just really appreciate it. I also am really glad that I've already been given my Dharma name. Because, <laughs> you know, although I'm a little worried because my ordination is not for a few months and I'm guessing that my ordination name may change. But um, no, I uh, just, uh, yeah, I mean, I really feel like, like Melissa said, that we're, even though our, our forms may be different, it just has the same feeling. And it's just, uh, it's so wonderful to have you with us. And thank you so much. Thank you. You know, the story keeps coming up about how uh, I was, I did a monastic training in Japan as well. And uh, the temple that I was at, Bukokuji, 
the teacher was Harada Tangen Roshi, and uh, he was very, very physical guy, very physical, uh, and uh, but can, but taught through physical presence. Um, and, uh, and that's one of the great things really about the Japanese tradition is the teaching through physical presence. And our culture, Western culture generally is uh, so verbal, you know. Um, so uh, a friend that I'd known from Minnesota days went and did a sashin uh, there at Bukokaji. And uh, at Bukokaji, we had two rounds of dokusan, uh, or three during sashin, but two every day and th three during sashin. And, uh, the, you know, the bell and the running to get in line, etc. And, uh, you know, when the bell rang, literally, you know, 60-some people in the zendo, everybody, you know, ran to get in line. <clears throat> but my friend it was like a classic uh, just-sitting Soto guy, so he just sat through the whole thing. And they just let him. <laughs> and then at the end of the sashin, uh, Tangiroshi noticed, well, this guy hadn't come to Dokusan, the whole sashin, which is like... This never happens at Pukogaji, this is weird. Everybody's running to get to Dokusan. So he has this attendant going, get him, brings him into the Dokusan room. And so uh, my friend entered the Dokusan room the way he would uh, at, you know, with the Kadiguri Roshi, which was a different style. And he, he sat, uh, he bowed, and then he bowed three times, and then he sat right at the door um, in, in Seiza. And Tangiroshi, who never looked up, essentially, his eyes were always half-closed uh, in the Zazen kind of pose, you know, working, talking, everything he did his whole life like that. So he didn't look up, and he just went like this, which is how the Japanese, you know, go like this. He, was, he just went like this. So my friend, you know, got up with his robes and everything, took, came about half the distance to the teacher and sat down again. Tangiroshi let him sit there for a moment, and then he went. So he got up and he came and you know right knee to knee with uh, which is where we did uh, Dokusan, and uh, Tangiroshi said, "Good," rang the bell. <laughs> <laughs> That's Zen. <laughs> <laughs> So who else? We have some time for a couple more comments or questions. We have Francesca. Hi. Um, this is a really basic question. Good. When I first when I first heard koans, I was really excited. We broke up into groups and we talked about different people's interpretations. And my my mind is very active and so it was like a mystery, and I just loved it. And then I started thinking that koans were dangerous for me because my mind loves to um, think. And so I'm wondering, is it better for someone that has a very active mind and tends to um, think a lot to kind of wait or, or avoid koans because It'll just activate their mind more. Well, uh, it's probably best to uh, consult with your teacher and see what they think. <laughs> but in general, there's like the koan cases can be used in a couple of different ways. And uh, it, it, it can be, uh, you know, this has been coming up on the vine recently because in our online thing, we're just jumping into going through the whole 100 cases. And at the same time, 
Um, a, a bunch of the people, most of the people, are either working with uh, uh, first koans or subsequent koans. So they're wondering, like, well, what's the relationship between, you know, my initial koan and these koans that we're going through? Um, and one way to think about that is that the koan that you're working with, for example, mu, and the keyword, you know, so uh, especially first koans, all koans really, but we emphasize it most strongly with the first koans, is that they have a keyword like mu or hu, you know, or the sound of the single hand. So those, those stay primary, you know. And uh, the image uh, came to mind, which I shared on the vine earlier, about that's like your stove top, <laughs> you know, and the pots on the stove top, and you're you're caring for those those you're caring for that moo pot. That's really important to give all your attention to the moo pot. And then these other koans are kind of like you put them in the oven, and if you keep checking, of course, they don't get cooked. You just put them in the oven and really forget about them. So you let them wash through. And in um, our lineage, we have a very strong emphasis on the study aspect of, um, this, of, of Zen and Zazen study engagement. But we focus you know, equally on study. And that study, that's really important that it not be, like you said, not, Francesca, not something that we obsess on or swirl around in or something. We just, uh, Katagiri Roshi said, and I often quote him, that we study in order to realize how stupid we are. So, um, you know, not we don't study in order to stuff our heads with knowledge and impress people or impress ourselves with our sophisticated Buddha logical understanding. Um, that, that's just more tripping. So it's important that, and, the, and then study can be very powerful because there's you know, these foci of the more broad work Another image that's come up recently is the broad work is kind of like a roto, rototiller. You know rototillers, right? Um, you know, but the, the tines are really deep, like that. But, um, you know, that's the study. And then the keyword practice goes really deep. It's like the auger that goes, you know, for the water, way down deep. Both of those things can, be, can work in harmony, um, but it's an art. And just to say that, you know, in our sangha, we do these koan salons, which are like, we put a lot of koans in the oven. I love that. It's great. Uh, but, you know, Francesca, I would encourage you in Doksan to talk about this and maybe take on, uh, I, I like that translation, keyword, you know, the wado practice that we do, and just see what it's like. It would be just right for you, and it could also be. Not quite right. So we've got just a little bit of time and two more hands went up. Let's see if we can uh, get to both of you, uh, starting with Will. Thanks, Francesca. Um, thank you very much for the talk. Um, I guess uh, to keep it short, my, my, I, my attention was caught by the tidy whities uh, <laughs> uh, I'm wondering, um, you know, just if you could say a little bit more about the odd group, um, how you see them as odd, how you decided they were odd, and, and uh, you know, sort of where they fit in, if it's a kind of a new, for us in the West, if it's a new potential part of the curriculum, what are these odd koans? Well, I think they, a lot of them have a sense of humor. So they're, um, and um, 
Nanchuan, for example, who is the is the offers the tidy whities Nanchuan, you know, he killed the cat, but that's just like a, the surface. Nanchuan was just like this whacked out dude. And so, th and there's several of these uh, cases here where he was just, you know, on a different dimension. You know, so yeah, he says the Dharma body is four elements. If someone can give a reason, they will get a new pair of underwear. So. And this, for Nanchuan, was not unusual. So there's a humor and a lightness to it that I think is actually really important to our, to our work. Yeah. Thank, thank, you. thank you. And Christine. Hi, thank you. Hi. Um, I, yeah, I loved your, the humor. Um, the, the whisk. I, I just thought of that horse whisk. And what if, where are all the horse whisks? You know, like that, that's what came up for me was because of how lonely or how distanced we are from each other that that gave, that was a very sort of intimate, sensual, oh, wow, people actually touch each other still and are next to each other and, and all this. And um, it's just a calling for intimacy and closeness that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Indeed, we are all whisking each other, right? <laughs> With yeah. our smiles and our frowns. <laughs> and I think so important this, uh, you know, we, we speak so much of intimacy. And, and the, uh, the physicality and sensuality of this world, you know, I think uh, the, this humor and something uh, we can imagine Zen as some kind of austere practice, and of course, in some ways, yes, but uh, this the wonderful uh, uh, sensuality and intimacy and uh, physicality of it, such a, a wonderful uh, treat. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, we're going to turn things back over to Corwin. Deep bows to you, Dosho. Thank for, you. For everything you are and yeah. do. And Same to you guys. I hear this truth never fails, by the way. What's that? I hear this truth never fails. Oh, yes. Oh, that's an old <laughs> Yeah. All right.